0: Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going to make our confession. Let's make it by faith. Let it not just be a traditional thing that we say, but something we really believe. Let's go ahead and make that confession. Let's say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible. The incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, if that's you, won't you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. I got a new suit here, and it just let loose of a thread. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. I bought it on, on sale. That might have been why itself if my, if my sleeve falls off, we know why I got it for a good discount. Amen. Or either I'm preaching real good if I work off this sleeve. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Luke 14, verse 15. Luke 14, verse 15. I want you to say this as you're turning there. That my house may be filled. Can you say that out loud? That my house may be filled. Amen. I got some water around here somewhere. Luke 14, verse 15. We're going to read a parable that Jesus teaches here. And this is a message for everyone that loves Jesus. Any Jesus lovers here today? If you love Jesus, this is, this is for you. He wrote it for you. He spoke it for you. Luke 14, verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him, Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Before we go on, I'll set it up here, give you context. Luke chapter 14, Jesus is invited to a chief ruler's house to have supper. One of these chief rulers, one of these Pharisees, a high religious ruler, ruler, has invited Jesus to come have supper with him. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was fried bologna sandwiches. Could have been pulled pork. Maybe they were in the southern part of Jerusalem and it was mustard-based pulled pork, who knows. But they were invited to a supper. When they get there, Jesus, in great, wonderful fashion, first thing he does is show up and heals a man. That's a pretty good supper, isn't it? He shows up, and on the way, a guy who's never walked his whole life, Jesus heals him right then and then goes on into the supper. Can you imagine? I mean, some people try to have a great atmosphere when they have a, invite people over to their homes. Jesus started with a miracle healing. And then he begins to teach on humility. And Jesus teaches humility by giving a story and saying, if you're invited to a party or a wedding, anyone ever been to a wedding and you got a reception afterwards? You know, and so you're going there. And Jesus said, if you go there, don't go sit at the head of the table. If you're invited somewhere, don't go and assume you need to sit at the very head of the table where the host would sit. Because what happens if when the host comes in, the person that's over the whole party... The person's home that it's at, they say, um, A.J., I know you sat down right here, but if you don't mind, could you move on down a little bit further? I actually have some friends, and I've reserved these seats for them. And then A.J. has to get up and move on down and sit in between the bathroom entry and the kids' table. And that's very shameful is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, in other words, don't exalt yourself, but rather bring yourself humble bring yourself lowly, and let someone else exalt you. Because it's far better to be seen somewhere and they say, hey, what are you doing sitting over there? Come on up and sit up here with us. Then you don't have to lean over the whole time and say, what did he say? Can he speak a little bit louder? And so Jesus is getting to that point. He teaches on humility. And then this guy who's at this supper says, oh, blessed is the one who eats bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, he's got a real good religious saying here. Jesus just gave this whole teaching... About a supper. And then someone says, yeah, well, bless God. We're going to eat bread in the kingdom of God, aren't we? And then Jesus says, well, let's talk about that. Verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man... He goes into another teaching story. Gave a great supper and invited many. Someone say many. Someone say many. Amen. Amen. That, that was better. Verse 17. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited... Come, for all things are now ready. But they with all one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of ox, and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Uh Uh-oh, he's already blaming his wife on something. Verse 21, so that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly, someone say quickly, into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste my supper. I want us to look at the heart of God, which is this, that his house may be filled. God wants his house filled. God wants every portion what we call churches of His house filled. How many believe that? How many just believe that God wants to see churches filled and growing? How many believe God wants to see people saved? How many believe that God wants many people to inherit eternal salvation? In fact, He wants all, doesn't He? For that's His will. We're going to see that. So I want you to take a trip and adventure with me in the the word of God here so that you can see your place and your mission in filling the house of God. This This is not something for someone else. This is a message from God for you, not your neighbor. Don't bump them and say he's talking to you. No, we're talking to the person that we look at in the mirror every day. This is a message for you from the king of kings. So there's a few things that I want you to see. In fact, if you, if you can mark your Bible, we're going to go from Luke 14 and back and forth to a couple different places in the Bible because I want you to see this is not a one-off thing. This is the desire of God that his house would be filled. The first thing I want you to see is this. Verse 17, he sent his ser- servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. Now, you understand in the day when Jesus is teaching and preaching, they don't have uh, Frigidaire's, as we call it at our house, or my house growing up at Mom and Dad's, called Frigidaire. Later on, I found out Frigidaire was actually a brand name. I just always heard my mom say Frigidaire. And then I found out one day it's actually a refrigerator. Because then I went to my house and I said, Wait a minute, that ain't a Frigidaire, that says Kenmore. Because my fridge was named a Kenmore. I said, What in the world? I've, I've been living a lie my whole life. No, it's just some people call things different things. But you understand whether it's a refrigerator or a frigidaire, they didn't have none back in 30 A.D., amen, in Jerusalem. Well, okay, so what does that have to do with anything? The master of this supper, he has this idea, I want to have a big, big supper. This, This very generous, wealthy, loving, kind man who has great blessing, he wants to bless... Many people. So what does he do? He sends out an invitation. He, he sends out a save the date. Anyone ever got a save the date? You know, say, save the date. We're going to get hitched three months from now. Make sure you mark it on your calendar. Send it back to us. Let us know where you want chicken or fish, right? Save the date. He sent out a save the date. And then when it's the day of, that evening, he sends a servant out to the people he has invited to say, get ready, put your best clothes on, Come on out, we're about to have a real good time and enjoy a supper. Because the moment the fatted calf is killed, we've got a little bit of time to eat it while it's still warm and still hot because there ain't no frigid air. So the master says to the servant, Go out there, come for all things are now ready. Once you say, Everything's ready, everything's ready. Do you realize there is nothing else that needs to be done? to see our church filled with people who are on their way to heaven on God's behalf. There's nothing else that God needs to do to see this church brimming full of people. Not once, but two, three, four times, as many times as you can fill it on a Sunday. And then you say, well, what then? We can build a bigger church if we need to. Or we can build a dozen churches across the county. Or we can help other churches fill theirs. But there's nothing else that God needs to do in order to fill his house. It's now for the servant to say, come, all things are ready. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. You understand every person will stand before God at the end of their days and they will hear one of two statements. They will either hear, God forbid, depart from me for I never knew you, or Every person, including you or me, will hear, and this is, what we're, this is what we will hear, amen, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Who wants to hear that? Who wants to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? So I guess you and I could identify with this servant here in this story, couldn't we? So we, as a servant of God, now have the opportunity, the privilege, and the responsibility to go and tell all those who have been invited, come, For now all things are ready. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? That's past tense. You don't have to be a literary genius to know that. Had come means it's already happened. But when the fullness of time had come. Well, what happened? God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. How many is thankful they've been adopted into the family of God? The reason you've been adopted into the family of God is because the fullness of time has already come. Come, for all things are now ready. That's the message of the servant. That's the message of the believer. That's the message of the Christian. That's what you tell people at your workplace, your coworkers. That's what you tell your classmates at school. That's what you tell your family. That's what you tell the people that you meet at the gas pump. That's what you tell to the precious people checking out your food at the grocery store. Because sometimes that takes a long time, doesn't it? Especially when I shop with Laura. And we came in for the list. We got everything on the list, plus everything that was in my imaginary list in my head, which happens to have lots of sugar and chocolate in it. And so it takes a while. And you say, what to that person that's checking out all those items? Come, now is the time. Now all things are ready. What does that mean? Jesus has come. And he's calling all unto him. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You must be born again. These are words of Jesus, and this is what must be on our lips. Every time you leave this building, that's your highest calling. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, or Second Timothy 1, verse 9 says this you have been saved and called. It's actually an impossibility to be saved and not called. Every Christian is saved and called. I want you to say this say, I'm saved, so I'm called. What are you called? You are called to be a soul winner. You are called to tell people, Come, for the time is now ready. The fullness of time has come. The Savior you need has already come, He's already died on a cross. He's already filled our grave. He's already paid the debt of our sin. He is alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. And if you call on His name, believing He's a risen Son of God, you shall be saved and you will inherit eternal life. How many think that's good news? How many think all should hear that? Absolutely. And He said to the servant, Tell him, come, for all things are ready. You're in Galatians. Turn backwards to 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, we see this. It says, We then, as workers together, with Him. Who are you working with? With Christ. Is that not a privilege? You get to work with Jesus. You get to labor with Christ. You, we were once being dead in sin we were once enemies to God. And the one who I was an enemy of, I now co-labor with. I now work alongside. We are now workers together with Him. Well, what do we do? Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain or without belief. For He says, and then He quotes, In the acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation... I have helped you. See, he's quoting from Isaiah 49. But notice what the Apostle Paul adds to it. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I hope you understand there'll be some people you will encounter, maybe tomorrow, maybe today, maybe this week, maybe this month, and right now is their opportunity to be saved and they may not have another day of salvation. It's that serious. uh, Several years ago, I know it's at least three years ago because it was at the second home Lauren I lived on on Elway. I'll just go ahead in a minute, admit I'm not a mechanic. A lot of you men are blessed here with mechanical abilities that you work very hard to hone. Some of you ladies probably know, may know more about cars than I do. But I mean, I, there's not much that I know. It's really not. I had a Jeep here a while back, and I, I asked Kyle. I said, I, "You got to listen to this thing. I don't know what's going on." I cranked it up. Kyle said, "Oh, it's that right there." I mean, in about 15 seconds, he knew exactly what it was. Some of you guys, you know how to move, how to make cars run, and you can make them run really well. Well, I had a vehicle that I just couldn't get cranked up, and I thought I did what was right. I mean, I thought I did. I, I just, I used up all my knowledge that I had, which wasn't very much, and I still couldn't get my work truck to, to turn over. So I had a, a mechanic that I really, really liked and trusted. He, he, he lived beside mom and dad, and I would built a relationship with him. Now, self-admittedly, he didn't live for the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? He said it. I'm not passing a judgment. If someone says, I don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in Jesus. I got to take them at their word, or I would be judging them, wouldn't I? He said, I don't. But he was a nice guy. Anyone ever met someone like that? They don't believe, but, you know, for natural, if you will, because that's that's a form of judgment, too, and naturally, they're nice people. You know, they won't sock you in the mouth if you say something sideways. Right? They're, just, they're nice. And he was kind to me. I said, well, Joe, look, you got to come to my... I said, I, I got a truck that I need you to help get, get it running. And he said, well, you're so close, I'll just drive over to your house. Because, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to have to charge me to pull it into the shop. I'll just look at it first. So he drives over there. And what did, what did this genius do? I'd, I'd, I'd replaced a battery. I had a brand new battery in there, and it still won't work, Joe. He said, it'll never work as long as you got the wires crossed. <laughs> very easy, very simple. But one of those wires that was the hot, someone had wrapped black tape around it. But I didn't look to see that it led, you know, or it was the... One way or another, I had, I had it switched because there was some tape wrapped around it. And I just assumed when I saw colors, I just looked at colors as opposed to seeing this line that I have on the hot sides grounded out on the, on the frame. Some things I know. Then later on, Dad comes and flips a breaker and fixes a light that's been broken my house for six months. So maybe there's some things I'm good at and some things I'm not. But I had these wires crossed. Well, as he's leaving, I mean, he's, he's, a, North, he's a New Englander, gruff. Nice man, but you understand, in the South, you can't get from here to the grocery store, pick up food, and home without about six people saying, God bless you, or bless your heart, or you know something, something real kind, or how you doing, or a smile, or a handshake, or something, because just, that's just how we operate here in the South. But he was a New Englander, kind of gruff mentality and the way he talked. Nice guy, but a big burly guy, you know, biker guy, tattoos and everything. I mean, he just, this is his appearance. If you didn't know him, he would be a little standoffish. And so here he is. He's sitting in my driveway. And I said, well, Joe, I said, I sure do appreciate it. You've been doing all right. He said, well, I'm going to tell you something, AJ, I, haven't been, I haven't been doing too good, really. I got a pain in my chest. I got a pain right here. And I said, well, Joe, you know, Jesus loves you. And I'll pray for you because I love you. And I believe he'll touch your body. I said, but you know, even more so, not only can he heal your body, he can heal your soul, Joe. Because he loves you. And I witnessed to him there in my driveway. Nothing, no, no big thing, you know, no altar call, no music playing, nobody on the acoustic guitar strumming. I mean, just right there, just real life. Prayed for him. If you, if you believe on Jesus, Joe, he'll save you. Well, two weeks later, He's dead in his floor on Easter Sunday. Because I went to go invite him to bring him to service with it, you know, invite him to come to church. Today's the day of salvation. Because you don't know if tomorrow's something that someone has. Come, all things are now ready. And as a Christian, there has to be an urgency in your heart. Every time when you see people, You need to see them with the compassion. You know, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus sees the multitude and He's moved with compassion. And then because they are like a sheep without a shepherd, scattered abroad, He then turns to the disciples and says, The harvest surely is great, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that He might send forth laborers. The harvest is ready not only has all things been accomplished for salvation nothing else has to be done on God's part for people to be saved but the harvest is ready nothing else needs to be done how much longer should we wait to see our nation decay in sin before we begin to win people to Christ not just in the church thank God for the church But how much more iniquity and transgression, how much more does it have to multiply in a nation before we get real, real serious about encountering every person that we come in contact with and and just come simply to the point, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And everyone will have eternal life or eternal death. There's no gray spot. It's not Hollywood. No one's coming back to haunt my house. Either you will go to heaven or you will go to hell. Now, look, I've had, I've had three different people, three different Christians this week ask me this question. Maybe it comes across your mind. You say, well, how do I approach someone without... This is, specifically, this is the question someone asked me. How do I approach someone to tell them how to be saved without making them feel attacked or offended? I'll answer the second part first. The gospel carries an offense. You can't bring someone to the point of salvation if they don't think they need to be saved. Now, that does not mean you go take your Bible and smack them across the head and you say, you filthy sinner, be saved now in Jesus' name. But how many can remember when you first came to Christ, before you believed on Him, you just realized that just something ain't right. You were convicted by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I want to be clean and I can't be clean on my own. There's a hole in me that I can't fill. I've tried it. Some people try drugs. Some, tr- some people try try sexual immorality of all shapes, forms, and perversions. Some people try to drink it into themselves. Some people try to do it through anxiety, depression. It works through people, and they're trying to fill a hole that they can't feel. And, and and they're torn with inside. That's the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And there has to be a convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And there has to be a proclamation of the truth. You know, some people, there, there's two things that a world dead in sin loves to say. You can't judge me, and that's not very loving. The Bible says, Jesus said it himself, I'm not judging you, but the word that I proclaim judges. When the word is proclaimed, it brings forth judgment. When the Bible says every soul that sinned must die, that's judgment. And unless you believe on him who freely died and took your place, you'll have to pay it with your own death. Not in just this life naturally, but eternally. That's the gospel message. Secondly, that's not loving. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we are to speak the truth in love. But how many ever been to a wedding where they read, you know, love is kind, love is patient, love does not envy. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. When you get to verse 6, it says this, Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. The first requirement to speak the truth in love is to speak the truth. Like that joker walking around? Naked as a jaybird? Friend, you're going to have to leave here. Well, they might kick you out of the YMCA too. Take my membership, and you can do some things with it that I won't say out loud. (laughs) Because you can leave, friend. Look, here's the thing. Justin Greenville. Justin Greenville. uh, I don't want to say names, but then again, they promoted and advertised... But just two months ago in Greenville, a church had a drag-me-to-church service with a drag queen. Look, you don't have to go to China for a mission field. I go to Greenville to eat and shop. I don't go to get dragged to church with the drag queen service, but I go out to eat and shop. My, my wife worked with, with a person that went there, that goes there, that was offended when I shared their advertisement and said, this is not brave, this is not bold, this is satanic deception, and this is not a church, this is a synagogue of Satan, lest they turn from this wickedness. Because Isaiah said, woe unto them that will call what is good evil, and what is evil is good. See, some people say, bless God, I want revival. The first step to revival is repentance. And without the church declaring the truth of the gospel message, people don't know what there is to repent of. I don't know, but you can turn on some Christian TV, some Christian radio, you won't even know there's a hell. And if they even said it, they won't even tell you how you get there. Do you know it's not hard to go to hell? You know, a dead fish floats downstream. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. But what do you have to do to go to heaven? Believe on Christ. Take up the cross. Submit all to Him. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. 100% total commitment to Christ. And I want to encourage you. The gospel carries an offense. You just just talk normal like that 80-year-old lady. Hey, this isn't right. Well, that carried an offense, didn't it? And she wasn't even on a mission to win people to Christ. She just had common sense. Which seems almost like a superpower nowadays to have common sense. But if you think that you will stand for Christ and never experience pushback, my friend, you've not counted the cost. But I believe you do know that. And I believe you're going to stand strong for Christ. How many is going to stand strong for Christ? How many will not back down no matter what anybody or any person says? I refuse to back down. Why? Because now's the day of salvation. I've got work to do. You have work to do. Every single empty space means we have work to do. Because when I see empty pews, I don't see just blue cloth on wooden frames, I see souls on their way to hell. They may be, maybe it's family members, maybe it's friends, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's someone I don't know, but they still deserve to hear the gospel message. They still deserve to have what was given to me, which was salvation. And how will they hear unless someone is sent? Isaiah chapter six, turn there with me. Isaiah chapter six, you don't mind if I go off notes, do you? You don't know what the outline in it is anyway, so you don't know if I went off reservation unless I tell you. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I, Isaiah said, Here's my pastor, Lord. Send my pastor. Oh. Here's my favorite televangelist, Lord. Send him. Here I am, send me. Workers together with Him. You're anointed. To feel good? Oh yeah, you can feel good, ain't no problem with that. But you know, the Holy Spirit has anointed us as believers, Acts 1-8, to be witnesses. Anointed to be Witnesses. Oh, I'm thankful for everything that the gospel brings. And I believe in the full gospel message. I believe that Jesus, who is a Savior, is a healer. And He's healed my body. I believe that Jesus that is a Savior is a provider. And He has provided richly for me. I believe the same Jesus that saved me, sent me my wife, gave me my daughter. I believe in the full gospel message. But all those wonderful treasures of heaven come to you through faith when you believe on Jesus as Lord. And that's what God desires people to hear is. There is a time and the time is now. Come for all things are ready. Now, as I've mentioned, we're going to be in Luke 14. We're going to keep working our way through here. Luke chapter 14. Look at the next verse. Well, you say, okay, AJ. Well, what if I do tell someone? Look, you know what? A first step to evangelism. I'm a very practical person. I don't want to, I'm i not trying to browbeat. I'm not trying to slap people over the head with, with thoughts or intentions. But I want to be very, very serious because this is what God desires. This is what He put in His Word to you and me. So I want to give you practical uh, ways to do exactly what I'm encouraging you to do by the Holy Spirit today, which is win someone to Christ. The, a very first, easy, practical step to evangelism is invite someone to church. Bring them to church with you. If you're having a Bible study, invite them to a Bible study. But look, you say, all right, well, I've done that, but I've gotten excuses. Well, that's okay. We have some teaching here for that. Verse 18, look here. Luke 14, 18. Luke 14, 18. But they, with all one accord... This is everybody. These are all the people who received the save the date. And now... Since all things are ready, the servant's saying, All right, come on, y'all, it's time to go. And all of them began to make excuses. You know, there's an old song, and I don't even remember all the words, but it's one my grandfather would sing me all the time. I'd ask him to sing it. I'm actually wearing his tie-tack today. It's a carpenter's straight edge. Anyway, I would say, Papa, sing me that song, Excuses. And I I just remember a few words of it. It's an old-timey song. Excuses, excuses, you hear them all the time. Mm -hmm. That's all I remember. And then he'd go in the verses, you know, well, uh, it's too late or it's too hot, it's too cold, it's raining. And all the reasons why these people gave excuses why they couldn't come to church. When I, when I see that, I hear my papa singing that song. With one accord, begin to make excuses. So what's this first excuse? Oh, I bought a piece of ground and i got to go see it. I ask that you excuse me. Now it's supper time. Who goes and looks on a, over a track of property in the dark? Anyone ever bought their house in the dark? I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not saying it's wrong. I wouldn't do it. You know, with the crazy housing market now, some people buy it sight unseen. They'll look on Zillow and they'll send in an offer 20% above whatever it is. I mean, it's crazy. I would sell my house right now and make 20, 30%. Problem though, you got to pay just as much as you go if you sell it. So I ain't got nowhere to go to if I sell it, because I ain't convinced Laura to, to move into a travel trailer yet and live off the other money of it. But, but I ain't going to buy my house in the dark. But this, that guy, what is it? It's a silly excuse. Oh, I bought some property, man, it looks good, and I got to go check it out. There ain't no flashlights in 30 A.D. Jerusalem. You're going to walk around through this track and land in the dark. What's the next excuse? Verse 19. Another said, I bought five yoke of ox, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Anyone ever bought a car? Maybe you have. I'm just asking. Anyone ever bought a car without ever test driving it? You have a few people? I hope it worked out for you (laughs) because I test drove some and I test drove them and I bought them and I owned them for three months and then I found out it was a lemon. Anyone ever had one of them? You drive it three months, six months, nine months, and it went kaput. Who buys 10 ox who makes a living farming and is going to buy 10 ox and ain't never seen them before? They could have been the oldest, ugliest, scraggless, skinny. You don't want skinny ox. You want fat ox. I mean, just the weakest little ox they've ever seen. He don't know it. He already bought them. But I'm going to go test them out. I'm going to till up some ground in the middle of the night. That's like some of you men that you asked some dates on in high school, and she said, I've got to wash my hair. And you think it looks clean to me. But that was just an excuse, friend. Right? I've got to check out these ox. What's the third excuse? Verse 20. Still another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Look, I don't know about you, but... We'll celebrate 10 years of marriage, Laura and I, in November. And when we first got married, if we got invited to a real nice banquet, I mean a real nice party, we did. It, it was Mr. James's birthday party. We got invited to a real nice birthday party. And I was thinking, you know what? We're going. Because no, we ain't eating frozen pizza tonight, baby. We got, there's going to be some good food. We're going to get dressed up. We're going we to enjoy ourselves. Why? Because maybe you were like me and you, you, had some, you were living on meager means. What married man who just got married ain't going to take his bride out and show her off? Oh, that's a silly excuse, isn't it? Silly excuse. Let me tell you something every excuse any person will ever bring before God as to why they didn't believe on Jesus is ridiculous. But people give you excuses. I would come to church with you, but uh, you know, I ain't got nothing to wear. Trust me, it's all right. You can come on just like you are. Come on like you are. Well, I, you know, I used to go to church, but, uh, I, you know, it was boring. Oh, no, no, no. You've got to come to my church. My pastor's not boring. Now, that junior pastor, he, he's got some work to do. But my pastor, no, no, you've never heard anybody preach like him. You've got to come and hear him. Well, I, I, I went to church a few years back, and nobody said hello to me. Oh, let me tell you something. You've got to come with me. You've got to come because they will not just say hello to you. They won't let you leave. You'll say you'll talk to them in the sanctuary, then say goodbye. And then someone will stop you in the lobby and you'll say goodbye. And then they'll stop you in the parking lot and you'll look down and it's been an hour and you're hungry and they won't stop talking. You No, 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 they'll talk to you. You've got to come to my church. Oh, you've got to try it out. Well, I've been to church one time, but... But that, no one was nice to me. Oh, let me tell you something. I go to a church where everybody's nice. Oh, they love people. They, I hope you're a people person and you like hugs because they're going to attack you with hugs left and right coming in. Every excuse is silly before the eyes of God. And that's just about inviting someone to church. But what excuse will stand before the living God on judgment day? There is no excuse. If you're here and you got an excuse with why you won't serve God or live for God, let me know you let me tell you it's pathetic. It's not good. It's not a good enough excuse. Now notice verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house being angry, rightly so. Rightly so angry. God is loving and he is merciful. And some people say, and I made a video about this, posted up on TikTok. And Instagram, because you, you don't there's a deficit of, of so much just plain teaching of the Bible on social media. People say silly little things on social media and it gets spun around like it's gospel. But some people ask this question, how can a loving God send someone to hell? My friend, we already were dead in sin, condemned to hell before Christ came. While we were yet dead in sins, Christ died for us. Jesus says it after the most famous verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, 18, 19, on through there, it says, I have not come to condemn the world, but save it. Because the world's already been condemned. A loving God doesn't send people to hell. People who refuse the love of God send themselves to hell. And that's what angers the heart of God. I've given you everything. That's why he can rightly and justly say at judgment day, depart from me because I don't know you. I gave you everything and you spurned it. You rejected it. You pushed it away. Now, but he doesn't stop there. Someone say perseverance. You might say, well, AJ, I hear what you're saying. I've tried winning people to Christ. I've, let's, let's go to the very basic, basic, basic rung. I've tried inviting people to church, and I've invited three people to church over the past 17 years, and they all told me no. Well, that's the problem. You know, in sales, they say you got to get nine no's before you get your first yes. So what is a good salesman? Someone who can get through the nine no's real quick to rack up the yeses? You know, marketing, it used to be you need, i got to make sure I can count, seven impressions to make people notice a brand. But nowadays, we're hit with advertising everywhere we go. You know, me and Naomi can't watch Baby Shark on YouTube without getting hit hit with an ad every three minutes. You know, it pops up. We're just hit with advertising everywhere. So it went from seven to about 17. So what's a good marketer say? I just got to get you to 18 hits. If the first 17 you won't notice, I just got to get to 18. So why? And then Jesus says this, The sower sows the word. On four different types of ground, three of them receive the word or don't receive the word, but nonetheless, they don't bear fruit. But the fourth type of ground, good ground, hears and receives and believes. Well, if sales has a 10% turnover rate, marketing has a 5% turnover rate, the gospel message has a 25% turnover rate. Some of y'all that aren't numbers people that you think, well, if you say so, it sounds like Greek to me. But the numbers people caught that. If one out of every four of the ground hear it and see it, that's a powerful, powerful message that you carry. You need perseverance when it comes to soul winning. You need perseverance when it comes to witnessing. You may have to churn through 10, 12, 30, 40, 50, 100 people. Here's the thing. When you stand before God, what do you want to say? Lord, I invited two and a half people. I told two and a half people. Who's two and a half people? Is that poor Horatio that Opie talked about on Andy Griffith. I told 2.75 Americans about Jesus and salvation in the course of 47 years of living for you. So you told one person every two decades, that's not a good servant. How many wants to be the good servant? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I mean daily. Why was the, book of Act, the church in the book of Acts growing daily? Because daily they were preaching the word. Now when I say the word preach, you think, well, that means pastor and evangelist. Preach just means Proclaim. 1 First, First Peter chapter 2 says this, that you have been marvelously saved, taken out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're a holy priesthood, a chosen people to proclaim the praise and glory of Christ Jesus. It's just your nature as a Christian to tell people about Him. It's just your nature to tell people how to be saved. And you've got to persevere through that. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Between now and... I'm not going to tell you a number because every person's different. Every person has different experiences, work, where you work, who you work around, what you're doing. But you should set a soul winning goal between now and the end of this year. If we do it on losing weight, uh, saving money, getting out of debt, whatever you want to be, why not be about the father's business? Why not be about uh, something that will carry eternal weight? But say, Lord, and I did this. I don't mind telling you what it is. Uh, it's probably, when you get right down to it, faith wise, it's a low goal. But in the beginning of this year, in Time Prayer Fast, I said, Lord, give me 1,000 people saved. In every endeavor that I'm doing, give me 1,000 people saved. And that's why I'm using every particular opportunity that I have. And I understand that as a full-time calling. I get that. But I mean, you understand, I wasn't in full-time ministry until about a year ago. And so I understand what it means to work 40, 50 hours a week in a secular job. And then pe- and tell people about Jesus. Bring people to church. Being part of the work of, of God. But you need to set a goal. Be bold. If we can pray about anything else, Lord, I need a new car. Fine, you need a new car. I'd rather see you driving than walking. Because if you get all sweaty and I'll drive by, I'm going to have to stop because I feel sorry for you. And then you're going to get my car all sweaty. So I want you to drive, not walk. So if you need to pray to get a card, that's fine. But how about pray to see the kingdom of God advanced? How about pray to see that the house that He has be filled? How about seeing people, Lord, give me these people. Give me this number of souls, whether it's family, whether it's friends. Lord, give them to me. I have to have them. They're my inheritance because the best and the dearest was given for me. And so what if someone gives an excuse? Persevere. You persevere in every other area of faith. Persevere in soul winning. Don't stop with the one no. And that's the problem sometimes. People, they'll ask in their immediate pool. You should. You should ask in your immediate pool. I don't believe that you should... That, you know, if you've got family members that need to be saved, you work on them and stay working on them. But don't let that family member who's given you a no stop you from reaching out and reaching out. And reaching out continually. Because this is what Jesus said in this parable. Matthew 21, or excuse me, Luke 14, 21. So the master of the house being angry said to his servant, Go out quickly. Go out quickly. Someone say quickly. John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. The gospel message, salvation has an expiration date on it whether it's by natural death or whether it's the coming of Christ. But it's not forever. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? It just does. There's time. And here's the thing. As a servant, as a Christian, you only have so much time to work. And all that will last is what is done for eternity's sake. When you get to heaven and you've been living in the glories of heaven for eons of time, it won't matter where you lived, what you drove, what vacations you took, what you wore. What will matter is that you're in heaven and everyone that you brought with them with you. That's all that will matter. And there's not much time left. How many believe we're living in the last days? So go out quickly then. Who says we've got another 50 years to fill this church? I hope you understand. I hope you're making the connection. He just wants a big church. Bingo. Because what does a big church mean? People saved. Well, bless God, just because they don't go to church don't mean they're saved. You might be right. But the last time I went to a nursing home, everyone there was older people in need of help or workers. Last time I went to a hospital, everyone was there was sick or recovering from sickness and workers. Last time I showed up to a different plant here or there, everyone that was there was working or was supposed to be there. You know what? I don't know, but I would imagine if you went to the Drag Me to Church service that they had in Greenville, everyone there would support drag queens in the building. If you go to a bar, everyone there is there to get drunk or serve the alcohol. There may be a few. I know one friend, he went... Hi God, he went searching for girls and he went to the bar. I said, you don't even drink. He said, no, I got water. (laughs) He was was probably the one guy there getting water too because everyone else goes to the bar to drink. Does that just make sense? You go to the grocery store to get food, amen? Well, bless God, just because they're in the grocery store don't mean they're shopping for food. No, they may be working, handing out the food. But I would imagine everyone in the grocery store has one of two intentions, either to help people get food or to take food home. And I'm just going to tell you something. I've been in church for 32 years, and I, I've been to all kinds of churches, all different denominations, all different creeds, colors, they praise all different ways. And I'm just going to tell you that most of the people in the church, they were saved. they were Christians. So when you see a church growing, it means that hell is being emptied and heaven is being filled. So go out quickly, Go out quickly. Why do you need to tell people about Jesus? Why do you need to tell them, come, for now Now all things are ready. Come, come, come now. Again, base level, come with me to church. Come with me to... You know, some people, the, when they finally accept the invitation to come to church is when they roll them in in a casket. But here's the thing. You and I, we can't change what they believe or what they decide, but we can change how many times they're called to come. Charles Spurgeon... He said, though people make a choice to go to hell, they'll have to leap over me to get there. C.T. Studd, mighty missionary of God, he said, some people want to live within the sound of a church bell. I'd rather live in a rescue mission among the screams of hell so that I could stop them from going in. Jesus said what? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that means the gospel message cannot be stopped. The only thing that inhibits the message of the gospel is will people labor and work and tell someone about Jesus? Invite someone to church. Bring someone to an event. Bring someone to Bible study. But that's why we try to have as many things going on at the church. So there's many opportunities. Three weeks from now, you need to come to church with, I don't know, you know, I like to eat lunch a little bit early, and I just can't sit through that service. Let me tell you something. We're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. If you can make it through the service, and if, if you can make it through that service, hold out. I will cart you out as fast as I possibly to that shelter and feed you as many hot dogs and hamburgers as you possibly can eat. But you just got to come you got to come, because quickly, quickly. Now look where he goes to. We're coming to an end. It's all right. We ain't eating today, so I do have to let you out in time to go get lunch. Verse 21, go out quickly, where? Into the streets and lanes of the city. So what does he do? After the first round of invitations are ignored, he goes back to the same city, and then he invites the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. The poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. He says, go back out again and get everyone that's overlooked. The gospel message, the saving grace of Christ, is for everyone that, was, that is overlooked. Thank God Jesus didn't overlook me. Thank God Jesus didn't overlook you. And thank God someone, when they ministered the gospel to me, didn't overlook me. There's no one too far gone and there's no one too low that Jesus doesn't want to save. Go out, get the poor, get the maimed, get the lame, get the blind. Get those who can't give back to you. He says it just right here in the same chapter. When you have a supper, go invite people who can't repay you. That's what happens with the work of the Gospel. When you tell people about Jesus, you're giving them something that can't be repaid back to you. And He says, go out, go and help the helpless. And what will you receive? A crown of rejoicing. You'll receive a crown of soul winning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says that. When you stand before Jesus, there will be judgment for everything that we did in the body as Christians and he will hand out crowns. You know, some people get real upset that some people labor and work really hard because Proverbs 13 says there is no labor without profit. But some people think, well, this person's rich because they just got it somehow. But in America, like 92% of all millionaires are self-made. In other words, they managed their money, they worked hard, they paid off debt, they invested over time, they became wealthy. You plant a garden, you'll get fruit. But then there's some people who are deceived by people in authority, Congress people, senators, politicians who lust after control, and they say, that guy's rich because he took it from you. And I'm thinking, well, now wait a minute. This person over here ain't never created nothing, ain't never done nothing, what'd they take from him? But they're trying to you know, turn Americans toward each other. That's what communism, socialism does. It's spewed out of the pit of hell. Jesus rewards those who labor. And so some people say, well, that's not right. But here's the thing. If they're uneasy about the differences of outcome based on people's laboring in a natural life, they're going to be extremely uneasy in heaven. Because in heaven, crowns and rewards will be given out. Oh, bless God. How many ever seen that picture of, of the guy? He's got the blue jean. I hope this ain't your favorite picture. I, 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 forgive me if it already is. But it's the, I've seen this painting. His jeans are all ripped and his shirts dirty. He's like this. And Jesus is dragging him into eternity. You know, I, I guess that's supposed to be uplifting. But I don't want to be drug into heaven. I want to run the race into heaven. I want to run the race into heaven. And I want to take a lot of people with me. I want to win crowns and rewards for Christ Jesus. I want the Lamb to receive the reward of His suffering. I want Jesus Christ... And the debt that he paid, the death that he died, to be made the most of. How do you make the most of it? By telling many. Going out quickly. And go to the people that can't help you. Go to the people that other people will say, Oh, I don't know if I want to talk to them. Ah, uh, you know, maybe someone else can get to them. Go to the lost. Go to the forgotten. Go to the people that don't get invited to the parties you go to. Go to the people that don't hang around where you're at. Go to the people that don't vacation where you vacation. Go to the people that are lost and overlooked and the world sees as used, abused, and no good. Go to them. Because the gospel's for all. And the anointing's for all. Here's the thing. Jesus said, go to the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Jesus said in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me to proclaim the gospel. To who? The blind, to heal the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing to witness is the anointing to go to those that can't be helped so that God can help them. How many knows God can help anybody if they'll simply believe? But they won't know unless you tell them. And you have anointing for the work. Go. Now look, so he does that. He's a faithful servant. He goes back out a second time. He perseveres. Verse 22, And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. Don't you want to say that when you stand before King Jesus? Lord, I did what you commanded me to do. I went. I went to those who couldn't be helped, that were the helpless. I helped the helpless. I went to the poor. I went to the lame. I went to the lost. I went to the forgotten. Now what does he say? Still there's room. The servant says it. So now the servant has caught the mission of the master. The master wants his house filled. So the servant then does exactly what the master says. And he comes back and says, Master, there's still room. We still got more seats. We still got more room. There's still more people to be saved. How many thankful is thankful that God saves every, is willing to save all? Amen? He didn't send his gospel to just, quote-unquote, the elect, as some of my precious brothers and sisters in Christ would say, individually elect, which is not scriptural. The plan of election is this, the gospel program. That is what God has foreordained, the gospel program. Because you would have to overlook every whosoever, whomever, and all in the Bible to say that some are picked and chosen by God to be saved. That's not true. God loves everybody. God wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. 1 Timothy 2, 4. God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. There's still room. How many knows that old song? There's room at the cross. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. There's room. There's still more room. If there's still more room, there's still more work to be done. Pastor Dag, he's a Gahanan minister, mighty man of God. He has this saying, and I liked it, and I had to renew my mind to like it. But he says, the reward for work is more work. But that's not what we're taught in America. We're taught the reward for work is rest, but that's not true. Work produces. Work produces fruit. Bearing fruit, and Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit and that you bear more fruit so you can bear much fruit. There's still more work to do, be done. So notice here, hang tight with me. I love you. Love me back and hang with me here. I understand we're getting ready to go. Hold on a few minutes for me. Verse 23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them. Someone say compel. Anacosgo. That's the Greek word there, compel to come in that my house may be filled. What does it mean to compel? Urge, persuade, with all force, drive by every means, through truth, through exhortation, for reproof, instruction, long-suffering, through love, meekness, gentleness, perseverance. By all means, bring them in. Bring them in. I heard a testimony of a man that lived out west in the 1920s. It was a farmer, and he, had a, he was going to a good church, and his, and his preacher preached this and said, Compel them to come in. You bring them in. Use any means possible and bring them in. And he said, I know exactly who I need to bring in. It's the other guy that owns the piece of property beside my farm. We're quarreling all the time. He's always coming on my property. He's not living right. I know it's not. He's always, you know, trying to mess up my property and come against me. So he went in there and said, you coming to church with me. He said, no, you. No, I ain't. I said, yes, you are. This this man in the 1920s. They did things a little bit different about 100 years ago. They had a little bit thicker skin and stronger spine than some of us. He said, you're coming to church with me because you need to be saved. No, I ain't. He knocked him out, tied him up, and he stuffed a rag in his mouth and carried him to church. So he, and, woo, 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 he drug him in, set him on the front row, and he listened to the preaching the whole time. True story. And at the altar call, he pulled that rag out and said, you want to be saved? He said, I think I do. Because he was ready to be untied. <laughs> I think I do. Let me ask you this. To what length will Satan go to take someone to hell? Will he hold back and he stops? By what means and measures does Satan try to deceive? You can't watch Disney Channel with your kids without them sending up nonsense. I mean, you can't just turn on TV and just let it run. They'll have every form of wickedness coming through su- subtly. Subtle. What degree, to what length should the Christian go to tell someone about Christ? Should it not be at least equal to what Satan would do to send someone to hell? Compel them to come in. Because we know there's eternity, the Bible says that we work hard, 2 Corinthians 5.11, to persuade others. With everything that's in you, compel them to come in. Not a few, many. Invite many. Look, maybe you've never invited someone to church. Maybe you've never experienced the joy of being a part of someone getting saved, I'm telling you, you have yet to even enter into the greatest joy of your salvation. Everything else we receive from God, it's wonderful, it's grand. But I'm telling you something, until you get to be a part, or even being the person that leads someone to Christ, you have yet to live. There is a joy unspeakable that wells up inside of you when you get to see someone come to Christ and you got to be a part of it. And here's the thing, I would rather people be offended. I would rather people be upset, worn out, see me and turn the other way. Then they go to hell and say, A.J. never told me. You mean to tell me that joker said he believed in Jesus and not one time, every time he saw me, every time he was around me, he never told me what he knew, which was how to be saved? There's weeping and gnashing and teeth in in hell right now some of it is because why didn't they tell me now the bible tells us that no one is without excuse for all have witnessed the goodness of god there you see the power of god everywhere but the gospel message must be proclaimed because faith we love it don't we romans 10:17 faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of god it does doesn't it that's how your faith's grown back up a few verses what's the point of you hearing the word of god to have faith that you might call on the name of Christ and believe. Compel them to come. You've got to come with me. I've got, and you need to make a, a point, a mission of it. I've been given this work to reconcile people to Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 18 and 20. This is my job as a Christian. It's not my pastor's job. It's not so and so's job. It's not someone else's. It's my job. If I've been given the gift of salvation, freely give just as you freely received. I have to give it to someone else. Actually, Ephesians 4 tells us the work of the ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to strengthen the body of Christ. All Christians are called to win the lost. So here's the very simple thing. Verse 23, Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Matthew nine thirty-six: Jesus said, I already said it, verse 37, He said to His disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. The Lord of the harvest wants to have a great reaping in His harvest field. He just needs more laborers. He's asking you to labor with them. He's asking you to compel them to come into His house. He's asking you to bring someone. Yeah, as simple as it sounds, bring someone with you to church. Because I know this, and I believe you could testify with me. You're not going to sit in this house of worship this house of prayer for the next 32 years of your life and not hear the gospel message preached, brought before you, and conviction come, and that person had to make a decision. There's a lot of wonderful things you can teach and preach, and there's a lot of things, and we do the whole counsel of God. But you're not going to sit in this church, and there's lots of other churches the same way. I'm not saying we're the only one. But you're not going to be here and not hear the word of God proclaimed with the anointing from our pastor. And it brings people to repentance. I have watched my pastor masterfully over the years. He can be teaching on anything. And the Spirit check his heart. And he knows someone's here that needs to be saved. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be tithing. It could be prayer. It could be healing. He Masterfully. And bring it right into, you need to be saved. Everything we just talked about, you can't have it till Jesus is your Lord. Bring them in. Compel them in. Because the Lord's asking you to labor with Him. The first thing Jesus ever said is, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. One of the last things Jesus said is, go into all the worlds and teach all the nations everything I've commanded. I would say if it's the first thing He said and one of the last things He said, He greatly, greatly desires His house to be filled. Where you're at right now, with reverence and holiness before the Lord, stand up before God in a spirit of prayer. I've given you that outline that our pastor put together. How to pray for the lost. What I'm asking you to do this, I'm asking you to do something very serious. I'm asking you to do something that will require something of you. I'm asking you over just the next few minutes, look, I understand we went quote unquote over. Don't let your belly rob you of what God wants you to do. Listen here. For a few minutes, I want you to have your heart and your mind before the things of God. And I want you to locate by the Spirit. As the worship music's playing, you don't even have to think about, well, can someone hear me praying? Don't even f- forget about that. They're going to have music playing. We're going to pray to God. We're going to believe God as a church. He, I've given you this outline. I don't expect you to pray the whole thing this day. But I want you to make a commitment for the next 30 days, every day. You do it with other things. Do it with this. Pray this outline every single day. Looking up the words, looking up the scriptures, on the back of it, by the Holy Spirit, locate three, four, five, seven people that you know must be saved. Just yesterday I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, I know four different people that I can invite, that I know they they must be saved, because I don't want them to inhabit hell. I'm asking you as a child of God, someone that's received the gift of salvation, that the spirit and your soul would cry out for those that are entering into hell. Just before I started preaching an hour ago, 6,000 people on this planet, they dropped dead every hour. People are marching toward hell, for broad is the way to destruction, but never is the gate. How many people want to see heaven filled and hell emptied? How many want to see this house filled? How many want to be a part of people being saved? You're serious about the things of God. I'm not talking about a casual Christianity. I'm talking about laboring with Christ. How many wants to labor with Christ? I mean, seriously, you want to see people saved. God needs you. Some people say, God doesn't need anyone. He's looking for laborers. The time is now. He's done all. There's nothing else required of Him. He he just needs you to tell someone. He needs you to reach out. And as you begin to pray, a burden will come on your spirit and your heart to reach out to someone this day, this week. Don't let a week go by without compelling someone to come to the house of God. It's not just about numbers on a spreadsheet to say we had growth. It's about people who are dead in sin and they're going to hell and we love them too much that they would inherit destruction and damnation for eternity. i must I must see my generation saved. I must see my nation saved. I want you to begin to pray right where you're at. Just pray where you are before the Lord. I'm going to pray. I have a microphone, so I'll be a little bit louder. But you don't have to listen to me pray. You can pray with me if you don't know how to pray. Maybe you've never prayed for the lost. Lord, this is what we pray, Father. Father, in the na- bring up the music a little bit so they're not timid to pray. Bring up the music. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord. And this is what we ask, Father. We thank you for an anointing, Father God. to to be a witness to the ends of the earth, Lord God. Lord, we thank You for the faithful work, the faithful instruction of our pastor, Lord God, who has for 40 years taught us the gospel, who has preached faith to us, who has preached Christ crucified and risen, Lord. Let that message not end with us, Father God. We refuse to be complacent in our Christianity. We refuse to be complacent in what we are, Father. Give us our inheritance, Lord which is the nation's Lord. And Father, we realize we don't have to go to the other side of the earth to win people to Christ. They're right here in our city. There's 10,000 people in our city with every church with empty seats, Father God. There's 70,000 people in our county with 300 churches, none of them filled, Father God. Give us our county, Father God. By the blood of Jesus and by the word of our testimony, we'll take our county, Father God. We refuse to have these pews mocked us, Father God. We will do all to compel, Lord God. There is no length we will not go. There is no step we will not take. There is no person we'll leave untouched or unheard, Father God. The good news is only good news if it makes it to them in time before eternity's sake, Lord. Locate in our spirit, Lord. Give us three, four, five people this week, Lord, that we can bring into your house. For you have set a banqueting table of your love, the gospel feast, is here. It's available, Lord. Help us bring them in, Lord. It's the desire of your heart. Let it be the desire of our heart, Father. Even as Paul said, I would be accursed that my whole nation might come to Christ. Lord, we will say we will give all that we might gain this prize of eternity. Lord, we will give all that we might gain an eternal inheritance, Lord. We want to enter into heaven and receive the soul winner's crown, God. We want to be a good and faithful servant. For now is the time in Jesus' name. We thank You, Lord God that you are preparing us have prepared us no forgive me you have prepared us you are now sending us lord lord you have asked who will go on our behalf we say lord we will go send us send us to our neighbor send us to our co-worker send us to our classmate send us to the person in the grocery store send us to the single parent who doesn't know how they're going to fill up their gas tank at the pump and we do it so that we can tell them about jesus send us opportunities that There's no cost we won't pay to see the kingdom of God advance, the church of Christ built, and your house filled. In Jesus' name, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, give me a holy burden for the lost of my city, of my county. I refuse to be a spectator on the journey of life while many inherit hell. I will stand in the way. I'll proclaim You. I'll proclaim Christ, preaching, warning, telling, compelling, all that I can that many might be saved. Lord, we thank You. We're a soul-winning church. We reach out. We're a church of love, which means we're a church of salvation. We're a church of witnessing. We're a church of bringers. We're a church of inviters. We're a church of soul winners by the anointing. Lord, let us be marked today by Your Word, never to return the same. We thank You, Lord God, for the harvest in the next five months. Let it be something that we see and glorify You. Let the harvest be so large We must expand our tent. We must enlarge our borders. Because your desire and our desire is your house be filled in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you've not made Jesus Lord of your life or you need to get right with God, you've walked the way, whatever you want to call it, you just know you ain't right with God. He's here to save you and make you free. It's this simple. Believe on Him as the risen Son of God. Confess Him as Lord of your life. Give Him everything which is nothing, really, because the life you have is nothing without Him. But give it to Him. Give Him everything. And He'll save you and set you free and make you a brand new creation. It's that simple. Believe He is the risen Son of God. Confess Him, Lord. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Sin is real. Judgment is necessary. But there is a Savior who loves you greatly. If you're here or you're watching, pray that prayer. Repent. The kingdom of God is now. You don't have tomorrow. You don't know what you have. Today is your day of appointment with God. Believe on Him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. I want you to pray this prayer. One last prayer with me. Say, Father, I thank You for Your unsearchable riches of grace and love that You've poured out for me. May I pour them out unto others that i might see many saved in jesus name amen take that prayer look i'm serious if you don't do anything differently than you have been doing that i've been doing we'll keep getting the same thing that we've always gotten but there are people that god's put on your path to bring into the house of god to bring into the kingdom of god take that outline and where you sit right now in front of you is invitation cards take that Pray over it. Give it to someone. It's right there in front of your pew. Right there. It's is at an angle. Take it. We didn't print them just to fill pews. We didn't print them just because they look pretty. We printed them because we want to rob hell of souls that heaven might have many. In Jesus' name. I love you. God bless you. Have a good week. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.